Good morning. In, in the year 1645, there uh, was a uh, particularly peculiar, one can say, controversy that erupted in Italy. We've already gotten uh, to know some of the uh, controversies in Italy, but uh, you could say this one is something special. Uh, this controversy began in the city of Senegalia. Senegalia is on the, uh, the back of the boot of Italy, so to speak, on the Adriatic coast, across from Croatia, countries like that. Uh, the, next, uh, the next nearest biggest city is Ancona. And uh, in Senegalia, the Machlekes erupted on the first day of Sukkot of the year Tavav, when a number of young men decided that they wanted to, uh, the shul should sing the Kedusha of Kesser together. Because uh, the Minig of Italy is that Chazar uh, Sashat's Kedusha starts with Kesser for Shachos, Musaf, and Mencha. So uh, they started singing Kesser together. But they actually said, uh, they repeated the word Kesser two or three times to add insult to injury. And uh, this caused a major eruption. Um, a number of the people in the community were upset. The, uh, the local Rav, his name is Shmuel Karkas, may be familiar, it's a big Spanish mishpacha. You may be familiar with Mari Karkas, Pirish on the Rambam, so all from that generally uh, the same family. So the Rav of Senegal, Rav Shmuel Karkas, uh, expressed his protest against the, the choir. Uh, the choir was led by someone by the name of Remardchai of La Roca, Remardchai de La Roca. But uh, the people that, were, that put this project together ignored the uh, protests, and in fact, they had the encouragement of a different Rav. The Rav's name was Shmuel Yitzchak Nortzi. Nortzi is an uh, Italian Yiddish Meshbach, also a lot of Rabbanim. He was the Rav of La Roca, and uh, he happened to be in Senegalia at the time. And there's a lot of familial relationships between people there, but uh, Shmuel uh, Yitzchak said it's fine. You can ignore your Rav. So, uh, so things, are, tensions are, uh, are are being heightened. So, so imagine this. Is what the, so essentially, what's the controversy, right? Today uh, you're, you're in Shul, and everyone wants to join together and uh, sing Kedusha together, Kaser and Kaimcha, whatever it is. But uh, apparently in, uh, in, Ital- in Italy in 1645, this was a major scandal. <coughs> of course, uh, it's not mamish quite the way, you know, we sing in show today. It's just a bunch of uh, people singing the same song together. Here it sounds like there was a choir, there were harmonies, there was a little bit more of a production. But still, so I'm going to continue with uh, this story. But I'm using the story uh, essentially as a way of introducing the general question of the halachas involved in singing during davening, especially, particularly if it's uh, involving a choir. And the biggest question of all, is it permissible to bring musical instruments into davening in shul? Uh, nowadays, you'll find here and there, maybe even in uh, this uh, community, 
that uh, you have the vart that people uh, do hollow with, uh, with music. It's a bit of a fad right now. Uh, especially if it's more of a cure of minion, the people are a bit on the outs and uh, strumming the guitars and playing the flutes. So there's actually a very long history of uh, fighting over uh, bringing musical instruments into show. Uh, of course, the details, the particular details of each case matter, but uh, that's what I want to discuss. And uh, we're beginning with this case in 1645. So let's go back to the story. So the Parnas Rashi, the leader of the community, his name was Moshe Matrizi. So he, he, uh, he turned to a Rav by the name of Rav Nisanel Trabot. He was a Rav in the city of Modina, not particularly close, but uh, I guess he was a very Chosh Rav. They reached out to him. He's also related to some of the, the players in the story. So he wrote a letter to the Reish HaKehila dated Hey Cheshvan Tavav. Now, this Rav and these Chuvas are not exactly uh, world famous household names. In fact, as far as I know, they have not been printed uh, properly. So uh, I can't, you know, usually when these Chuvas are quoted in secondary sources, I like to go back and see the, the Chuva in original source in full. But I can't do that in this case. But uh, we're relying on. Uh, a shortened version that appeared in an academic article about this from Nesana Trabot was printed in uh, Asufot, Sufot, Volume 2, in Tafshim Amchas. And uh, over a page or so, the, the author quotes the, the, contra- the, the highlights passages of this, from this controversy in, in short. So we're relying on uh, his rendition of the, of, the, of the material. So he wrote in this letter... It's very nice, beautiful that uh, you're singing during Musaf. However, even though in principle it might be okay, but he leaned towards uh, taking the negative position for three reasons. Number one, uh, people who aren't familiar with the rules of music will find it strange that uh, words are being repeated because that seemed to be a given that if you're doing this kind of musical production in the style that was uh, popular in Italy, there had to be uh, repetition. So uh, people that aren't familiar with uh, how this is all being put together, they're going to find it strange. And he says that there's a rule, there's value to simply not uh, stirring the pot and not uh, doing things that some people find strange. And uh, number two, this is part of the debate as well, what is the significance specifically of the word keser? Is it just a nice word that, uh, you know, we're trying to praise Hashem with the keser? Or does keser have deep Kabbalistic meaning? And uh, if you repeat the word keser a number of times, it's almost like you're implying, you know, the shteyr the shalosh how many kesers are there, how many gods are there? So that's another question which you want to avoid. And uh, number three, your own Rav, Shmuel Karkas, said that he's uh, opposed. And that, and that is enough of a reason. Not that he's necessarily applying that as a uh, consistent halachic rule, but at least for uh, rhetorical flourish, you have to listen to your Rav, no matter what he says, even if it doesn't seem so logical. And Reminisan uh, will apologize that he's uh, essentially involving himself in their dispute, but he said, I'm related to a lot of you. Um, 
LaRocca family, so he's Dafka, even though the LaRocca family is related to him, he's Dafka coming down more on the side uh, that uh, opposed this uh, musical production. Now, uh, we still have this Rav, Shmuel Yitzhak Nartzi from LaRocca, who's still supporting and defending the musicians. So he responded to this letter and he wrote to Minasano that uh, the story isn't exactly as you were told, this and that. So Minasano replied again and he said, look, in principle, I am not opposed on any level to involving music in the davening. And I even am willing to accept and agree that uh, there will be some repetition in the course of the music. But uh, Kesser in particular, Kesser is Ramos Lekesser Elian. And uh, it's problematic. And um, further details from this letter, Ramesan writes, it's also problematic that the Rav of Kirkus apparently changed his mind. At first he said it was okay, first he gave his approval, then he backtracked, which Rav Kirkus later denied himself that this is actually what happened, but that was the information Ramesan had. He also... Uh, since we already went through the whole uh, saga of the Mikveh and Ravigo, so uh, it does uh, make a cameo here. Uh, Rav Nisano mentions that uh, remember that machlekes. What was part of the what was part of the reason for that machlekes? That the Rav first was matirit, and then he backtracked, and then he asked it. If he had asked it to begin with, the Mikveh with the kalim with the holes to fill up with the holes, as we hopefully recall for those who were that the share. <laughs> So the Rav first invented it and was matter, and then he answered it. So if he hadn't done that, there wouldn't be a problem. So the same thing would uh, be true here as well. Why be matter something and then answer it? If you would have said no to begin with, maybe this whole thing wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't have this controversy right now. And uh, this is the source. He seems to indicate that that uh, dispute in Rovigo ended up costing the community a lot of money when the authorities got involved in some way. <clears throat> Anyway, so Abdesano is more or less uh, holding his ground that he's not really uh, supporting uh, this thing in practice. The uh, music lovers, <clears throat> meanwhile, reached out to other Rabbanim in Venice and Pizarro, and those Rabbanim said it's okay, and even to repeat the word Kesser. Um, a few days later, both Chachamim in Senegalia, both of Karkas, who's against, and of Nertzi, who's pro, wrote against Abdesano, keep on reaching out to him. Uh, Korkas asked Nisano to issue another psaac that unequivocally says that it's not okay. And the Rav Nortzi was trying to prove that uh, singing in the, during davening in Italy is already an old minig, and you're allowed to even repeat uh, Hashem's name, apparently, according to in his, in his opinion. And that um, many Rabbanim already from Venice, that we mentioned and others, have already explained that Kesser is just a praise for Hashem. It's not reference to Hashem himself, or to Sphiris. Um, and he's a little, you know, he expresses himself a little mockingly towards those who, uh, who are very concerned about uh, the spheres here with the word Kesser. Anyway, um, and Nortzi... Uh, this was Shabbos. No, no, no mention of musical instruments uh, explicitly here. Just the choir, that itself... Sparked the whole uh, dispute, the the singing, the choir, and the uh, repetition. And uh, Nortzi mentions proudly, apparently, that when Ramnasano had written his letter against, and the Parnassim had decided to go along with that, they would try to prohibit it. 
those in favor of the music had reached out to the authorities to overrule the Parnassim so they can continue uh, doing their performance. And when the Parnas Matrizi was able to appear before the local judge, justice, the magistrate, whatever it was called, and to convince him that they should allow the Kahila to make its decisions, so the, how do you overrule, how do you appeal on top of the, the magistrate? So they went to the local bishop. So that's, uh, that's how tense uh, things were getting there. Anyway, Nisan wrote a third psaq and repeated again, Why are you doing things against people's will? Without the stomach of the Marada Asra and Bechawi should be matter strange things. And even if it's mutter, it just seems strange and silly to the people that don't get your whole musical performance. So, uh, in a sense, what we're seeing here is already the two sides of the question, even though it didn't involve musical instruments, but this is in a sense is a microcosm of how these uh, discussions go. On the one hand, is there really technically a problem? On the other hand, there's a lot of uh, emotions around it, a lot of uh, societal uh, implications around it, and that alone could be a reason for Abundant to uh, be in opposition. A few other interesting details from this, uh, from this correspondence earlier in the article mentions when this uh, dispute uh, erupted and Hassan was writing these tshuvas, so he actually mentions his wife in the, con- in the course of the tshuvas. He writes, It's true, shikachu haminek b'muzika, loimar, ezer dover gimel po'amim. It's true, we know that uh, if you do, you're doing things musically, you do have repetition. K'moishinere mechibure rebshleime meha'adumim, as we see from the works of rebshleime meha'adumim, we're going to get to that in a moment. Then he adds, ishti maras yudita And my wife, Yudita, also, she was musical and there was repetition, and he mentions Mehadumim, so she seems to be related to the musical authority he just mentioned a moment ago. And then another Chova in the course of his correspondence, he writes, Shahisa Chachama Gudailo, Umaskalas, Bekinar, she was very musical on the various instruments, and she used to perform Kedushas uh, Kasser. So that's uh, at least some reference here to musical instruments, although Lavdafka it's implying that it was in Shul. That could have just been uh, on her own time. So who is Pshleim Adumim that he's mentioning? So Pshleim Adumim in Italian or in English, she's known as Salomane Rassi. Rasi is the Italian version of the name. Iha Adumim is the Hebraicized uh, version of the name. It's the same thing. So he lived from about 1570 to 1630. So he was an Italian Jewish violinist and composer. And he made it pretty big on the, the music scene in Italy at the time. He was hired in 1587 as a court musician in Mantua, um, where we still have all the records of his uh, musical activity there. Uh, he served at the court of Mantua from 1587 to 1628, a very long time. As the concertmaster, he was involved, he was responsible for the entertainment of the duke and their, the family and the guests. Uh, you may have heard of a musical composer named Monteverdi. They overlapped together at uh, the court of Mantua, among others. He published a number of musical works. Most of them were secular but he's actually considered to be an innovator in Italian music and the history of uh, classical music itself, Baroque music. So he published, he started publishing in 1589, and he 
published many books starting in the 1600s. And uh, those who understand music will understand, look up and see what exactly he innovated, what he contributed to, to music. But uh, what's, uh, what's interesting to us is that in 1623, he also printed a sefer in Hebrew, which is what Rabbi Nisana was referencing. He printed a sefer called Hashirim Asher Lishleimai, upon, based on Shir Hashirim. But in this case, it's literally the Shirim of the Shleimai Rasi, Mehadum. You can actually find this uh, on HebrewBooks.org. Um, the music that he wrote, that it's musical pieces written on uh, Tfilis and Tehillim. Uh, it's written in the Baroque tradition and the musical style of Italy at the time. It is not connected to more traditional chazanas, whatever forms of chazanas they had independently at the time. Uh, this was considered a big, it's still considered a big chiddush in uh, synagogue music. In fact, it's said to be the first uh, the first time in history where someone put together polyphonic music for show. Polyphonic means you have multiple voices. So he, uh, in the book, the musical pieces that he put together are designed to be sung by multiple people, multiple voices, harmonies. <clears throat> That's his chiddush, as it were. Now, of course, when we speak about all this and uh, Italy in general, of course, you can't avoid the question of what influence or how much influence there is from the uh, non-Jewish uh, neighbors, the Christians, etc. In this case, we see that his career had mostly been uh, secular before he turned to doing some Jewish works in the same style. At any rate, I don't know to what extent exactly. Um how religious he was, whether he had a family. I didn't see any mention of family. Um, <clears throat> now, at the beginning of his Sefer, the reason why I'm elaborating a bit on him is because his Sefer is also related to this halachic question, or these halachic questions. This Sefer was printed tw- about 20, a little more than 20 years before the story that I began with. And before you get to the songs and the musical uh, notation, there is a Teinadike uh, Hakdama about Nagina and music in most of it is written by a Rav by the name of Yehuda Aye Medina, Leon of Medina, Yehuda Aye, uh, who his family name is Medina, as we see in Italy and other places. Often your the, the place in your name is not where you're actually from; it's where your parents, your ancestors are from. He was mostly in Venice, very colorful personality in the world of Italian Jewry, and to a certain extent, he's uh, still controversial till, till this day. Tzitzeliezer, for example, one of his chuvas. Uh, savagely uh, lays into Rabbi and uh, condemns him as uh, not, a, not an authority we should be taking any cues from. But uh, certainly in his time, he was among the respected uh, Rabbanim and Paiskim uh, to a major extent. And in fact, in this case, the Rabbanim of Venice, some whom, whose names you might be familiar with from Rovigo, uh, were in agreement with him, so it's not that controversial. So it's printed in the beginning, you can find any books in the beginning of Hashem HaShel HaShlema. It's also printed in the Shiles of Chuvas Zikne Yehuda, of Yudai's Chuvas. <clears throat> so first he wrote a Hakdama to explain the, the, where this fits in, this, where this kind of music fits in, in the Jewish history. So he starts off and he explains that, uh, of course, uh, the history of Jewish music is long. We have Davin HaMelech, we have the Mizmeidim of Tehillim, and all the names at the beginning of different Mizmeidim. Miriam, of course, Parsha's Bishalach, which is coming off of uh, the Parsha of Miriam, the Tukum and the Mechailas. Tukum and Mechailas, specifically musical instruments, but yes, of course, she is Hayam, Meshur Abeinu. 
instruments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some say that they were just accompanying the men. Either way, uh, we have this long history of uh, of music. Of course, we have in the Batimikdash, and then, as the Chachamim tend to say, it's one of the areas of wisdom which we lost, we lost in the course of Gaulus. And he says that uh, this is where our friend Rav Shleima comes in. So Rav Shleima, he is uh, one of a kind nowadays. Right? We have just a little bit, even though we lost most of the Chachma, but we still have just a little bit, a trace remaining. And, and who has it? This Rav Shleima. And uh, not just among the Yiddin, but he's really a sensation uh, generally in the music world. Um, and they compare him to the, to the greats uh, from, from past history. And uh, he's already started his career with the non-Jewish stuff. And uh, now he's starting to branch into the area of Kaidish. And he's been putting out a piece at a time, and he releases it, and he shares it, and uh, everyone is very enthusiastic about it. And until people said, we have to print this, so uh, they decided to print it, and Budai is actually the Magia. He's, he's reviewing all the material to make sure that it's correct. And he points out that, by the way, uh, music is read from left to right, so the words, it's going to say, Kesser, Yitnu, it's going to say Kesser from left, and then Yitnu, because he says to do it the other way around, to put the music in the wrong direction is going to be way more confusing. And that's actually uh, a standard that's remained till this day. Jewish music is still written from left to right with the, the words and sometimes even the syllables written from left to right. Um, and he says, ah, the problem might be you might have these mischastim amarchikim kochadash, these uh, goody tissues who, uh, who uh, reject all new innovations. So let me tell you, this is not a problem, and I'm going to copy a tshuva that I already wrote 18 years ago in Ferrara when uh, someone there was some kind of controversy. So I'm copying and pasting it here, and I will copy and paste the Haskamas of the Rabbanim of Venice who agreed to me at the time. So he quotes, the, and, and so then after that dumb is over, there's three, four pages in Hashir Mashallah of this halachic psak. That serves as the introduction to the Sefer, to the, to the work. So the Shiloh was, it was again about, about a choir. We have a number of people who know something about music, six or eight people, and on the Chagim and Mayadim, they, uh, they want to do how the Zimra, Inkalikeinu, Elenu Shabayah, Yigdal, Adonailam, etc. Classic pieces, L'Kvayd Hashem, with a Seder V'yachas, with harmonies, and someone was trying to shut it down, said that uh, it's usher to do anything musical nowadays, because it says, and the base image was destroyed, Altismach Yisrael, Gil Ba'amim, it's a Gemara, living Gitten. And um, so he's, uh, he's condemning these people that they're, they're ice farfs, they're, uh, they're crossing boundaries. So Yudari uh, is standing up to defend them. And uh, so he goes into this discussion essentially uh, at length. So you have the Gemara and Gittin that um, they, they ask Marukva, how do we know that Zimra is Aser? So he was Masartit, which is his own discussion of Sirtut. He wrote, Altismach Yisrael Gilba Amen. So he used this Pasuk to say that it's, uh, this is the source for the, for the Iser. And the Gemara asks, why not use a different Pasuk, Bashir Yishtu Yayin? 
And the Gemara says, if it just said that, we would think only musical instruments are a problem, but singing is okay. But when it says, somehow we know that, that's, so that even singing is not okay. So uh, from this Gemara's mashma, that the music, uh, musical performances of all kinds are, uh, are forbidden. And this is actually quoted in Shlokhan Aruch, in Simon Tafk of Samach, and there's a famous chiva of the Rambam. The Rambam has a very, very strict uh, take on it. The Rambam seems to say that all music of any kind is prohibited. Um, and then you have the Marin Saito, Udna, the Shama, Zimra, Ta'akar, an ear that hears music. Bad things should happen. Zimra in the house. So Khurban on the house. Then you have in Tanhedrin, someone who sings a pasuk from Shira Shirim. It's a, it's a terrible thing. So you have all these anti-musical statements in, in Chazal. So he says, apparently that's the reason why this person said, But uh, he says, a person like this, who doesn't know the basics, that of course, Zamr, the Dvar Mitzvah, is Mutter Gamur. So he must have, uh, he starts writing these Lashaynas, he must have read Marukva's words while he was half asleep. And what the, what the Paiskim wrote, he must have read Lashirugan. Uh, and uh, he's not he's not examining the sources correctly, and he gets into at length to divide his different categories of music. The Gemara would divide between musical instruments and singing, and then you have whether it's mishte uh, hayayin at some kind of uh, you know you're singing at a almost like at a bar or something like that, or you have la'anig atzmi kamalachim like the case with Marukva, there was a Reish Galusa who was being entertained by uh, the music musicians at his court. So those are the lesser, those are the more problematic uh, situations than you have. Chasen Mikala, Dvar Mitzvah, or practicing in order to be able to perform for Dvar Mitzvah. So uh, he makes the case at length that essentially the sources in Chazal are only about Mishte Hayayin or La'anig Atzmai Kemalachim. But uh, if it's for neither, if there's some kind of Tayalas, we see clearly in uh, we see clearly in halacha in other contexts where discusses chasen and kala, right? We know that it says in Shulchan Aruch that uh, you can even hire a guy to perform for chasen kala on Shabbos. Torah Shulchan Aruch, the Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, even uh, for me to add, um, which goes back to the Rishonim. And he says, and we know, and it's also it says in the Sfarim that Divrei Tushpacha is Shushal Haidois and a Sudas Mitzvah. These are things we know that are established that are okay. So the problem is, right? We don't, but we don't really do uh, weddings Friday night uh, back then. The minute was they did the uh, wedding Friday afternoon, and then the student went to Shabbos, and there was this hatter. But if somebody did have a wedding or something like this, so he made the uh, he could hire music. Uh, ask it, if you want to do it now, ask her off. It's not uh, hasn't been practiced, I don't think, in a very long time. I don't even know if the, the Al-Tarebbe might indicate that it's still practiced at that time, but it's been a long time. Uh, so his uh, argument essentially is, is that it's uh, only if it's Mishta Hayayin, things like that, or the other Chazals about you're taking Psukim and you're singing them as a love song, or you're singing actual uh, inappropriate love songs. So that's what all those sources are in reference to, but not uh, Stamazoi uh, in a Yiddish uh, mitzvah context, and that would include davening in his opinion. So, uh, so he says, I, I can't imagine anyone who has a mayach bekat kadai to say that to sing Hashem, to praise Hashem in the Beis HaKnesses and Shabbos and Yom Tif, that should not be a dvar mitzvah, like being a mayach, chasem, 
And uh, we want the Chazan himself to do the nicest and most beautiful job that he can. And uh, if he's allowed to, so what difference is it if I add 10 people uh, backing him musically? What's the difference? It's just uh, adding and elaborating and uh, increasing that uh, beauty of davening. Um, and uh, he says, you know, sometimes uh, you have, he says, Ben Kilis Ashkenazim, it sounds like he's suggesting by the Ashkenazim, Avdafka, they had a, a full performance, maybe just a bunch of people are just joining in, singing on the spot, singing a tune together, they, they, they break out in a, in a, in a tune, is that, is that really a chet, is that a problem? If you have a good voice, so if Hashem gave these people this knowledge, they shouldn't use it. Doesn't make sense. Should we be glazer on the shliach, the shliach tzibur, to do a bad job to make sure that he's off key to be neir kachamur because we're cheshesh for uh, you know getting too musical? Is that what you're suggesting? Is uh, how he puts it. So enoch um, will be an embarrassment to the other nations, which is always an interesting argument. So safe davar. There's no problem about Tismach Yisrael Gil. No one had ever thought that there was a problem with praising Hashem in a beautiful way. And of course, you have the sources about Nisameach the Kala, Ketzmanach the Kala, and all that. So, uh, at Simchas Torah, they do that sort of for the Sefer Torah, right? They, they hold the Sefer Torah and they dance like Arachasana. So, uh, no one was ever Moicha against that. And, the, and then it says, the, the, another argument was, it says, Eich Nasher is Shir Hashem al Admas Nechar. That's also, come on, it's not, uh, that's not saying that you're not allowed to ever sing any music in any situation ever again. They were being asked to sing the, 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 the Shinim, the Mizmainim, from the Beis HaMikdash, in the style they sang in the Beis HaMikdash for the entertainment of the Gaim, and they were saying, that's not what we want to do. But that's it. So that was his uh, argument try to shorten it a bit. Uh, and then there are the Askamas of the Rabbanim of Venice. So uh, the first one is Reb Nsiyan Sarfati. You may recall him. So this is, um, this. these Chavis are actually written about a year before the Svarim about the Mikvah started being printed. The Svarim about the Mikvah were printed in Shin Samach Vav. And the, these Chavis are from Shin Samach He. So Rabbi Tzim Sarfati says, just like by the, by the mikveh, they were quoting Rabbi Shmuel Yehuda Katsinel Boyan a lot. Who's Rabbi Shmuel Yehuda's father? Also very chashverav, Maram Padva. So uh, in this case, Rabbi Tzim Sarfati says, I recall when I was young and I learned in Padva. So uh, it was a very chashverav city with uh, the helm was Maram, Rameir, Sheirar, Nubavais Aknesses, Kol Seder Akdusha. We also we used to sing uh, the Kedusha together. We had the Seder of singing. And it was often at his request, at his behest, he initiated Ramayam Padma. So uh, it's no different than, <clears throat> certainly no worse, it's probably better than whatever music people are doing, uh, Stam for no reason. In this case, it's for the Eibishter. So Mitzin Sarfati uh, signs his name, and Shin Samachay, Menachem, Menachemov, Shin Samachay. And uh, interestingly, who else is a few others, and who else agrees with him? The uh, the other major character that we know from the Mikvah of Yehuda. Mifano Taisha Venezia wrote, uh, which safer was it? Was it Israel? Uh, well, he wrote one of them that was all his the entire work personally. So he writes, if you don't understand music, then I don't know what to tell you because everyone understands how great and important music is. As I wrote in my safer, Shir Tzion, 
so he says he composed this uh, a sefer relating to music and Ju- Judaism. We don't have any other evidence of the sefer except from this haskama, where I explained uh, based on Gemara, Midrashim, and Zayar and Kabbalah how important music is. So I'm asking to everything the Gaonim wrote above. Noam Yehuda, Rav Meisha, Mifano, Mitishave, Venetia. Uh, interestingly, in the tshuvas of Rabbi Yehuda in that Sefer Zikri Yehud, there's actually another tshuva in response to the Senegalia controversy, which we don't have uh, in its entirety, but we can already imagine how he would have reacted, what he, what he had to say about that. Obviously, he was also uh, very much in support. Now, these makayas we're discussing are mostly talking about choirs and harmonies, but there are, there are other sources that indicate, at least on, on a limited basis, there were, uh, there was also use of musical instruments in Jewish contexts in Italy over the centuries. In another article in Asufot Aleph by Meir Ben Ayahu, where he used Malakat, where he got a lot of sources on this topic. So he printed some chuvis. He actually printed for the first time some chuvis from the year Tuf Ayin Ches, about 100 years later, the 1717, 1718. Where uh, they wrote, Yilamdenu Rabbeinu, there's a kat bachurim, there's a group of young men that gather Leo Shabbos, and uh, they sing together poesia, so it sounds like they're singing some kind of poetry, mm-hmm. and uh, they have an ish nochri hametiv lenagam beklishir hanikres gitara, so they have someone there, a guy who plays the guitar or whatever the guitar was like at that period of the time. And he's playing for free, uh, and sometimes he even joins as a backup singer. And uh, the question is, uh, is this okay? They're doing this Friday night. This is a music club Friday night. And he printed the Chivas of Thiriyabon, and one Rav said that it's, first of all, Zimra Asira, Gemara and Gitten, music itself is also. Simon said Shabbos, not okay. Another Rav said, even if it's Mutter, it's the kind of thing you really shouldn't be doing. In that vein, and the third Rav sort of ignored the whole question and answered in a response of, "Come on, what's with you? It's Shabbos, uh, you know. Get the get the deal with you know. Go learn some Torah. Do, do something more appropriate to cover Shabbos." But so you see, on the one hand, people are initiating, people are are starting these kinds of things. Rabbanim aren't necessarily so thrilled. Um, a few decades later, you find other musical groups in Italy. And uh, you have even have a, even have a Rav Bishmal Akayin of Modina who mentions in his Shuvas that they used to sing and perform on Eshan Rabbe, the night of Eshan Rabbe. And, and there's a whole question, as Allah Shaila was, you have an Oval, can the Oval play one of the instruments? Because he was the, he played the, one of the instruments and now we have a Shaila and he was Mater. So uh, you see how musical instruments as well, to one extent or another, were also creeping in and uh, part of how some, at least some Jews in Italy, expressed uh, themselves. So again, we see the different sides and uh, uh, being pulled in different directions. So that's uh, the chapter uh, of Italy. Another place where there's a very old uh, minig of music and musical instruments is Prague. This is a bit more well known. There's an article by Rav Yechiel Goldhaber. He wrote about Kabbalah Shabbos in Kovitz Besarim Yisrael, an initiative from Tavshin Nun Ches. So he says, there's already a source from 1610, 1620 that mentions that in Prague, although it doesn't say clearly, it says, there's also, not in Prague, but there's a piot from a Rav in Vermeiza in Shin Peites, 
um, who's which is, which is around the same time. It's the 16th, uh, 1630s, six, no, 1629, where he was his own original piyot for Kabbalah Shabbos, and uh, the Kaysaras, the title is, I made it to my wife to perform on an instrument. So again, the wives uh, are cropping up in these types of situations. The next source in Prague is a Matseva that was published as a Matseva from the year 1668. And on the Matseva it says, this person passed away on Friday. He was buried here. His name is Zemer. That was how he was known. Avram, the music guy. Uh, and the notes on the Matseva that he was part of the musical ensemble for Kabbalah Shabbos. This is the famous minig in Prague to do Kabbalah Shabbos before the Zman with musical accompaniment. Uh, then a bit later in 1678, there's a, I'm sure we all have heard of the Sifsi Chachamim and Rashi. Sifsi Chachaman Rashi is, uh, is compiled by uh, an individual from Prague by the name of Shabsai Bass, or Bass, uh, or his full name is, is given as Mishair Bass. So in, in essence, his title is that he was a bass in, uh, in when, he, when they performed music. And uh, he also printed a several Sifsi Yeshanim, which I believe is like a bibliography of Svarim. And in the back, there's a Siddur Nusach Ashkenaz, and... There, the Seder Kabbalah Shabbos, and before the Chadredi, there's an extra song, uh, another song that's not uh, familiar today. And the Kesaris, it says, Zemer no, mirip shloyme zinger, shemenagnim, bekilas prag, bebeis haknesses maizel, beugov, ubenevalim, kaidim lechadredi. That's the, the caption from Shabsem Shader Bass. Um, and ugov, as we shall see, ugov is the term that's used in the Svarim to refer to the organ, which is a very large instrument similar to a grand piano, though apparently it doesn't work exactly the same way. Piano is a percussion instrument and an organ is a woodwind instrument, who knew? Uh, so the Ugov is gonna become uh, the center of uh, later discussion. But he mentions that that's what they used in Prague and the basic Knesset Meisel. <clears throat> Goldhaber cites other Mercatus about this period and proves that it wasn't only confined to Prague, other cities in Bohemia, Nicholsburg, and places like that also had this practice, and there appeared to be no controversies. It was not controversial at the time. Uh, then we got to the next uh, stop on this train, which is the reform movement. So then comes the reform movement, and one of the big things they wanted to do was to set up an organ in the show, which, of course, you see the non-Jewish influence and the attempts to mimic what the non-Jews were doing. And they dafka wanted to do it on Shabbos, whether through a yid, with one way of arguing that it's mutter, or through a guy, another way of arguing that it's mutter. We already saw that technically you're allowed to get a guy to play music for a chasen kala, so there's something to talk about. And that's when it turned into a world war, so to speak. So it's hard to push and include all the uh, history and all the discussions into one share. So I'm going to quote the kitzer from different sources. So one source, it says, the modern organ and reform synagogues was first introduced by Israel Jacobson in Berlin in a new house of prayer, which he opened for Shavuos in the year 1815. And that created a tremendous backlash. And they actually started appealing to the secular uh, sources. So in this case, uh, 
in, in this case, the, the appeals were to shut down the music. And they appealed to the church. They argued that it's disrespectful for the church that uh, the Jews are stealing their uh, shtick. And they also appealed to uh, the Emperor Frederick William III. Things got uh, very heated. And they actually managed to shut that place down for a few years. But of course, that didn't uh, last very long. And uh, in October 1818, there was, uh, they unveiled the first temple in Hamburg. And that's the, the beginning of the end. And one of the things they set up in the Temple of Hamburg was a, an organ. And they used a non-Jewish organist. The, uh, the rabbi who gave his hechsher, so to speak, uh, for these changes. So the, the first one was Eliezer Lieberman. He printed a sefer called Er Neiga with his arguments. He also printed Neiga Hatzadek, where he also roped in other famous uh, early supporters, Aaron Choriner, for those familiar with Hungarian Jewish history, and Ramesha Kunitz, who is actually sort of on the on the gvol till today, how, how we view Ramesha Kunitz. At any rate, this is when they sort of pioneered the genre of reform Shalos Chovis, or today we're more familiar with it as conservative Shalos Chovis, where they're still, you know, and they're trying to make arguments using Torah uh, sources, but the, the logic and the, the types of arguments are uh, of a certain type. Um, and part of their argument was that they wanted to cite Italy and Prague as precedent of musical instruments being used in some capacity. Now, Yiddishkeit in Italy and in Prague at this point was also uh, deteriorating, um, but there still were Chashver Rabbanim relatively in both places. So the Rabbanim of Prague sent a denial. They said that the minute was always Kabbalah Shabbos before Shabbos, and they were always very careful to finish before the Zman. In Italy, the situation was a little more complicated because they actually there actually was one Rav in Italy who wrote a hetter, who said that he thinks it's okay with a guy or whatever. And that really made the Rabbanim in Europe very nervous. And that's what really got them up in arms to fight back. So they printed a kuntras called Eila Divri Habris. You'll find it in Hebrew books. that has uh, letters from Rabbanim far and wide, from Prague, from the Kivega, from the Chassam Sefer, and a lot of Hashem Rabbanim, some you heard of, some you haven't heard of. Um, and I think, I believe many of them are responding to this psaac from Italy and trying to say, why are we even, why are we even going as far as Italy? Why aren't there enough Rabbanim over here? And then trying to get other Italian Rabbanim to express their opposition. There's another contrast called Tzirer HaChayim, also in Hebrew books, written by uh, one individual, Bavram Levenstam, where he wrote against this and many other uh, topics that became an issue once reform were changing things. So I want to give at least, you know, a little bit of a sample from the Allah discussion. So I'm going to quote from a bit later from the Shazat Shuvah's Malamed L'Hoyl by Rabdavid Svi Hoffman, Radat Hoffman, who uh, lived from 1834 to 1921. He's already one of the new Orthodox Rabbanim from after Lachrat Simpson, already the new Orthodoxy in Germany, and that school was Yil Hildesheimer. Uh, so he was the Reish Beis Hamadrish Lerabonim in Berlin, the Orthodox Beis Hamadrish Lerabonim. Um, and he has a lot of scholarship on Gemara, on Halacha, on Mikra. He contended a lot with Bible criticism. For those familiar with his name, it's still a relatively famous name to those interested in that Tchum. So he has a Tshuva in Malamad Lahoyal from the year 1897. 
in the Shiloh was, in one of the cities, the Parnassim agreed to set up the organ. In German, the organ is called an Argel. So, the clay sheared Argel Hayadua, and the Rav there, even though he was against it, but he wasn't able to overrule. This is uh, something we're familiar with from many, you know, from the United States, uh, communities which were on the, on the border, on the verge, and the Rav is not sure if he can overrule them, what should he do now? Um, so he, what he wanted, uh, he wanted to com- me to have a compromise. He wanted to say that, you know what, we can have the organ in the show, but we'll only use it on weekdays for chasanis, which, is, which, is, which was its own controversy, doing weddings in show instead of outside, uh, or for the Yom Huleda Shal HaMelech, big event when it's the emperor's birthday. Um, and he hopes that way, if he gets them to agree to that, so to, otherwise, if he completely quits and, and, and bows out, then who knows what's going to happen. They'll get a different role and things will be even worse. The classic uh, dilemma, the classic conundrum. But if he stays there, makes this compromise, then he feels he can uh, keep it to uh, weekday events. So the shayla is, is it okay to have an organ in the show on the weekday? That's how far uh, the question got. So he said, let's look back at the history. And this shiva is already written in, in less of a traditional shayla shiva style, more in an article style, although not, you know, it's still uh, the Hebrew of uh, the 1800s. So he says, let's look back to Tafkafayan Tess to uh, 1819 when the, this whole thing erupted in Hamburg. He's, he's very familiar with the history, living in Germany as he did at that time. You had to know the history backwards and forwards. Um, and it was against the Badats of Hamburg. This was a breakaway from the, the Orthodox, which before the word Orthodox existed, but before the broke, broke away from the Jewish community, the traditional Jewish community in Hamburg. And the based and collected all the Psakim from the Daily Adar, and they printed the Eilat Divri Habris. And that country was against three issues, actually. One of them was the music on Shabbos. The other two was the Seder Atfilah and the language, the Lashon Atfilah. And all the Goyenim had agreed that it was also to play it in Shul on Shabbos and Yom Divim by a Goy. But the question we have here is, what about a weekday? If you look at Eilat Divri Habris, you'll see that there's no consensus about it being a problem on a weekday. He says, after I went through Eilat Divri Habris, I can... I can summarize that there are actually three different approaches, if you read between the lines. Number one, some wrote Stam, Asr to do it on Shabbos and Yom Tif. They didn't address, they just, they were focusing entirely on Shabbos and Yom Tif, and they ignored the question of Choyal. So, maybe they hold it's okay on a weekday, or maybe they're not sure, maybe they didn't want to get into it. So he says, that's the Badats of Hamburg itself. He quotes, said, He threw it in. And we're still not sure, because, uh, you know, who knows about music nowadays? That question has never been fully resolved for all Rabbanim. Um, so, so all these Rabbanim, we, we're not 100% sure. Maybe they weren't, uh, they didn't say it's okay. They didn't say it's not okay. Then number two, you have Rabban, and that said it was that said clearly that it's Mutter Bukhoil, mainly Prague, where of course that was the Minig, the uncontroversial Minig for 100, 200 years. So the based in Prague, Bliezer Fleckles, Shmuelanda, etc. And they wrote, Mashimanagd, Mikleshir, Bishabas Kaidesh, Isra Gomarula Nagin, Amanagin, Mikila Seinu, the Kabbalah Shabbos, the Minig is that you have to stop, Khatishah, Kainim Barchu. So clearly they thought it was fine. Um also, the Rabbanim of Italy, the, the Rabbanim of Livorno, they said, 
Asarnu Isser, Lebilti Yanagnu on Shabbos and Yamtif Hasvashom, were only Matur and Chalamayan and Erev Shabbos and Erev Yamtif. That was how those Rabban were practicing it in Italy. Um, he suggests that Prague was not Matir, the organ, but I believe other sources indicate that they did use an organ, so that, uh, that assumption there might be incorrect. And then, number three, you have Go'enim in that country, as I said clearly, that they think it's Osir, Saiba Choyl, and Saiba Shabbos. It hurts Shire, said, Eich Nashir, Shir Hashem, that's what he uh, cited. Echsam Seifer, and this is very famous and quoted in a lot of sources that discuss this. Echsam Seifer said that the fact that our ancestors, which of course is a very Echsam Seifer argument to make, our Zaydis never made clay Shir Betfila, even though, what do you mean, originally they said Mikdash had music, and for some reason, we decided not to replicate that and reproduce that in Shul. So, Muslim Zagin, that it's take, they're against it. All the generations that uh, didn't do this is because they thought it was wrong. Um, because once the race of is destroyed, there's no Simcha, Eich Nosher. Um, and another, uh, another Shul of the Chsam Sefer, he said it's also Mishim Chuk Isayim. Because one of the, the rabbis trying to be martyr said it was not Chuk Isayim. So, some Sefer said, yes, it is. You're imitating the non-Jews who have music in their uh, in their prayers in their services. Uh, also, Mermerd Chaybanet said it's Chukay Seim and Yeshla Asrei Akapana Mitzara Safik. The Chavas Das of Yaakov Lissa said it's Isser Gomer Tamin Ugov in the Shul Bein Bechoyel Bein Meshavas and a number of others. He also quotes Maria Sod later on in Hungary, uh, who was a Talmud of Mermerd Chaybanet, who said that it's Asr on Shabbos. Uh, he actually doesn't mention that it's Asr B'choyl, even though we just quoted the uh, Mordechai uh, Benet before. But um, could be that's Shaila was only about Shabbos, and uh, he maybe maybe Maria Saad is more in the first category where he's not sure or he's not doesn't want to touch the weekday question. So that's a summary of the Ela David Abris. Then he says uh, next year in Tafkov Pei, Rav Ram Levenstam put out the Sefer Tzurah Chaim. And he also said clearly in this country, in his arguments, he said it's also ben b'choyel ben m'shavos of chukeseim. And he says there's another uh, work that uh, probably would be harder to find now. He says in Tavrish Chav Gimel, Reb David Deitch of Zaroy in Silesian, which is was part of uh, Germany or, or one of the German countries at the time. Today it's part of Poland. Uh, he printed a German country that's called the Argel in the Synagogue. So a treatment, very more of a modern Orthodox, uh, modern, comma, Orthodox German Rav, uh, writing a country in German, where he also went through the whole Shaila, and he said it's also on the weekdays, of course, of a Chukay Seyem, and he quotes uh, other Dayanim from Berlin who agreed, and uh, at that point there already was a, a Yiddish newspaper, the Israelit, so he's quoting from different issues of the Israelit, where of Mayor Lehman, the famous uh, Rabbi Dr. Marcus Mayor Lehman, and uh, others had also gotten into explaining why it was Asr. And they all agreed that it was Asr, Bein B'chol, Bein B'shabbos. This was a matter of principle, for even for these uh, German Rabbanim that in some cases met uh, German culture at a certain point, but they were actually very uh, extreme in their opposition to having the organ at all. We're talking about the organ. The organ is a musical instrument in the show. That's what we're talking about. This is the reform controversy, the organ. That's the... Um, no Orthodox Rav was not a except one Rav from Italy, which was already Italy at that time was not so IAI. Um, no one, there's no one, no Hashem Rav on the record that ever was Matar and Shabbos. We have the Rabbi Hassan Kala from the Rishonim that was quoted in Shulchan Aruch, but not the Shol Stamazim.
he says, When a, a student is admitted to our base medrash in Berlin, we give a Hidonamana together with the Hatara Sayra. And on the list, I guess, of principles, if you're going to be a Talmud, the student of the of our base medrash, one of the things on the list is no organ, nor argal, because of Chukeseim. So according to our own uh, statement, it's also Bimachobim Shabbos. And he quotes Psham Shalafalarish's Pirush and Bayikra, where Psham Shalafalarish managed to include the discussion, and maybe it's the possible Chukeseim Leisilechitake, and he says that it's also Mishim Chukeseim. And Tzvir Shchayas of Poland said it's Chukeseim. Um, goes to other sources as well. He says, now I want to get into the question because someone at Taina that you essentially had something very similar to the organ in the Beis HaMikdash. The organ is a woodwind, woodwind instrument. And in the Beis HaMikdash, there was a magrefa, which was some kind of complex wind instrument. That's, uh, I mean, it made multiple sounds. So they wanted to argue that uh, if you have a magrefa in the Beis HaMikdash, how can you have a problem with this? So he gets into the shadow of the magrefa and there's a famous kasha with regard to the magrefa because in, uh, in Erchen, it sounds like it's a musical instrument, and then um, and then elsewhere in Talmud, it sounds like it wasn't for music; it was for noise. So the Tesis Yamtiv says that it's two different things. There's two different magrefes, and uh, David Svi Hoffman says that's that's ridiculous. Uh, and the Ravid already has a Arichas where he says that it is the same thing, and he explains how it's, both are true. And the Mastana from the Raivet is, is that Ataka was more for noise and it was not part of the music in the Mesa Mikdash. He also quotes the Bavram Mishar Arye in the Sefer Shiltikibayim. The Sefer Shiltikibayim is a very unique Sefer that was printed in Italy in the Shins, where he goes through the whole uh, Yonim of the Mesa Mikdash, but through uh, the lens of whatever modern knowledge they had in Italy at the time. So he tries to identify all the minim of the, whatever it was, kataitis, things like that, that were used in the Mesa Mikdash. He has a whole chapter where he treats the treatment of the music in the Mesa Mikdash, where he tries to explain how the music in the Mesa Mikdash worked based on whatever knowledge they had in Italy at the time of the music. It was very interesting, Sefer. So it, in that Sefer, he addresses the Magrefa, and it's says, in the mission, it sounds like the Magrefa was so loud so uh, if it's that, if it's that, such a thundering noise, then how can that be part of a musical uh, performance? It was not. It was just meant to make a loud noise. So you can't compare it to the organ. Um, and even if you want to say the Magrefa is a musical instrument, so Mamar uh, Banat already said it's a big suffix if it was in the Mikdash. Um, and he says his Talmud or David Deitch in that German Sefer, the Orgel in the synagogue, he said, yes, that there wasn't an organ in the Reza Mikdash, because it says, Amr B'Shem Gamliya Lehoya Hadralos B'Mikdash M'Pnei Shekar Le'av M'Arbe V'shan Ne'ima. has a very thick sound, and it confuses the music. Hadralos. So, what is a Hadralos? It's mentioned in the footage there in the, in the Gemara. Also in the Yushalmi, it says, Ardablos. That's how the, in the Yushalmi has printed, at least, that the word got a little corrupted, or whatever. It says, Ardablos. It's clearly the same word. And it says over there, Amr B'Shem Balakish, Ugov Zer Dablos. It actually says that that's the Ugov. Um, and uh, he says, Rabbi Yama Musafia, who is one of the, the sources on the, for teaching, one of the early sources on for teaching uh, foreign words in Chazal. So he says that uh, this is clearly what we know from Greek sources, Roman sources as the Hydralis. And he says that in German today, it's what you would call the Vazer Orgel, the water organ. Um, if you look it up today, you'll find uh, online that uh, 
they say that that was actually a confusion. The water organ and the hydrolysis are not exactly the same thing. Um, the hydrolysis did not use water. It used pumps. They pumped air through it. But you can look it up. It's a lot of interesting uh, information uh, about the history. And you see it's mentioned in Chazal. So uh, it's, it helps you understand Taich and the Gemara. So um, anyway, he wants to say, oh, the hydrolysis is a vaser organ. And the org- oh, so it's all the same. Oh, and it says in the Gemara, the hydrolysis was not in the Mikdash. So here's that I want to say that, oh, we're doing what they did in the base of Mikdash. Now you can't say that. It's not in the base of Mikdash. Um, and he says, actually, one of them he mentions is Bartholdi, for those familiar with, with him. He said, the Bartholdi and these others, they actually claim that the organ is not a great instrument to use. It actually uh, messes up the music, which Rav David Deitch already mentioned in his Sefer in German. So if the Mikdash didn't use it, so then, uh, you know, and even if they did, we have the rule, the matseva. The matseva used to be good, and then it became snua because it was used for redizara, so things can always be passed later. Then he gets into the, the question of Prague. The matirans say, ah, isknasas alt, he, he spells it altnai, uh, going with that uh, reading of the name, that the basic was made altnai. So the basic knesses altnai by Prague, they had an orgel, but in Ilkanela Divri Habris, the Shire says, uh, he mentions that they had this practice. Tisha Bati Knesses, Bedoyel Shabbat Nogu Lezamer, Lekabal Shamas Lezamer. Chassam Sefer says um, that we're mekubel that the Taka stopped singing it uh, before Mizmor Shuli Yom Hashabbos. And it's, it might be true they even had an ugav. They might even had an organ, but uh, they, might, they changed the nigan. They didn't play it in the normal way. And the other shows they're trying to diminish and minimize to what extent it was used in Prague which Goldhaber in his article says may or may not be true to the degree they're trying to minimize it. Um, then he quotes the old Siddur from Tafla Metches, uh, Shlema Zinger's Negus, Shir from the Ugov of Nevalim. So you see it, a very old source mentioning the Ugov. And uh, in the Shir, it talks about how if you praise, if you treat Shabbos right, the Gula will come. So that's why and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's an association there with Chassan and Kala. Shabbos is a Kala. Ebeshu is the Chassan. So uh, if they're matter to be Menagam, the covered Chassan and Kala, so there's an association here. We're doing it uh, for uh, the covered Shabbos as well. It's also a Shtikl Chassan and Kala. But, uh, so they may have done it originally, but there some services and they stopped. Um... And the Ram Levenstam and Sarah Chaim says that um, in Prague, that the, the show that had the organ, it could be originally it was built with it, and it was before it was such a Christian practice. So once they had it Behater, so then there wasn't Chukas Agayim. But then once they uh, once it's a problem, so then it's no good. And at some point, some Sefer says they removed it. Um, it was different Svaris back then. The, the churches weren't as into the organ yet uh, as much as they are now. And anyway, in Lavi Rayim, a minute Kehila Achas, the Lisker Rayim, if name and Hoge, Sharkilis Kadashis, Shalari in Valashama, and a minute Kazel, why are you uh, harping on this one Kehil? Look at all the Kehils that don't have this minute. Right? Um, so Prague is different. Then he gets into the whole question of Hukesayim, and there's different Shittas in Hukesayim, we're not going to get into it, but there's the famous Marik that says that it has to mamish be uh, something ridiculous, something that is mamish, no reason, your mamish trying to imitate the Goyim, and the Matir, Negat Sadek, I think of Aaron Kharinner. Uh, try to say that based on this, uh, it's not Mashuna and it's not Pritzus, so uh, it's not Chukisem. But uh, Tzerachaim already responded that it is a Chaik Tamua. 
So they only use it in their in the church. It's not used in any other context. So it seems uh, peculiar to their religious practices. So uh, the argument was that it is chukas agayim. Then the David adds, and even if it's uh, you want to say it's not mamish chukas agayim, but there's also chukas apikarsim. It's also azach. Um, it says in Gemara uh, Chulin that uh, you shouldn't uh, do certain things by shechita because you're imitating the minim. The minim did the shechita a certain way, and you shouldn't imitate them. And, uh, the, Gemara, and the Gemara connects it, the Brisa connects it to it. So even if you can't argue that it's Chukas Agayim, if you can make the case that it's Chukas Apikarsim, since they started, since the reforms started, at least over here, and they did all kinds of other things, they changed the Tfilis, they're Kay from Biasa Mashiach, and all the other horrible things along with the organ. So uh, for Matir that, it looks like we're accepting all the other terrible things that they did. Who knows what else will be matter? And in the Soyan Mayad experience shows that it never stops with the organ. The organ is step one, and then comes everything else. So he says, I'm not even going to get into the whole question of Chorban based on Mikdash, whether or not we shouldn't have music uh, now, Bechlal, even though some of the German Rabbanim got into that in the Israelit. Um, and he says, and of course, there is an association here. We, as Orthodox, we're very into the Gaulus, and we believe we're in Gaulus and the Reform. Part of one of the big planks of their beliefs is that uh, we're not in Gauls. Mosu uh, and the emancipation that they got equal rights, that's uh, the Gaula Hamitas to them. So that's why they erase everything in Davin has to do with Tzian and Yushalayim. So uh, you see that association here as well. And then, of course, they're looking to play music. So maybe uh, you see the connection there. And uh, all right, back to the question. The question was, though, only for Hasanus and for uh, the king's birthday. And it's already, we already said it's, uh, it's mutter to play music for Hasanus, and it's mutter to play music for the king, but uh, even if you take a strong position on music otherwise. But uh, he says, even on those occasions, should use other kleshir, but stay away from the orgel, because it's chukas abedazara, chukas apakarsim, um, you should not be moderate, even um, and he says, interestingly, he says, I saw on a sefer that said, I assume he means, he says, I assume he means the shirim asher l'shleim of Rabbi Shleim um, and I found it in the catalog of Ben Yaakov, there's a psaq from Yudhaira de Medina against the, those who are arguing against as we know, actually, from looking at it, though, it was actually not about musical instruments. It was just about uh, musica in the sense of a choir. So he didn't have access to the Sefer. He didn't have uh, HebrewBooks.org. But uh, we do, and it's actually not uh, especially relevant to the question of the organ, things like that. Um, now, what, what about this Rav? This Rav is in a very tight spot, right? We said he's trapped. Uh, the Kahila really is pushing to institute the organ, and he can. the most he can do is uh, try to stop it uh, and confine it to these things on the weekdays. So, if there's a Rav, and he wants to insist that you could be martyred for these occasions, and he's saying that it's only Yasser and Shabbos, and he says that it's not for Avedis Hashem, we're not mimicking the Goyim, so it's not a Chukay it's just for Hassan and Kalim, for the Melech. So if you say Mepashasa Daichik, so Bishvil Khaitze ain't Badaiti Levatel, Rishus Hatoras Hirosh Nasati Latalmid. If a Rav is gonna stop there, I'm not gonna revoke my uh smicha to him that uh, you know, making him making him a rabbi. Um that's where I'm I'm willing to you know stretch it up until there. 
but he has to tell everybody exactly what he was matter and why and make sure no one gets the wrong ideas and takes it further from that. And this is the end of what he wrote in other edition, Tafresh and Zion. Then he says, I saw another article about it. And he sent it to uh, different Rabbanim to see uh, what they have to say. He says, I have a haskama from Israel Hildesheimer, but Hayan Shadavar Udavar Kasha, Shainim Afurish Repoiskem. And really, you can say, uh, you know, whatever you want, in a sense. On the other hand, it's a Dover God, it's like Dinan Afashis. The whole Yiddishkeit is uh, dependent on this question. Um, oh, he means also to the fashion simply that the, the Rav's livelihood is at stake. Uh, is, does he have to quit and his family, uh, you know, hang out to starve? So, because I'm very, uh, you know, it's a sensitive uh, issue, so I'm not saying Kabu Daiti, I like the input of other Chach Mehadar. And then the, the, the postscript that says, I sent this Mechtov to five Rabbanim, Rabbi Ezer, Erebach, Havabashtat, Yerman Zev, Feilchenfeld of Posen. Mertriam Hirsch of Hamburg, Mertri Horovich of Frankfurt the Main, and Ramesha Aya Bamberger of Kissingen, and they all answered Le'isser, sounding like they went even further than him and said that it's Mamish Osir, even Chasinus and the Kveda Melech, except for Mordechai Horowitz, because he heard that Rabbi Hildesheimer had already agreed to David Tzvi Hoffman to not go all the way, so he, Mordechai Horowitz, uh, bowed out. Out of uh, respect for Israel Hildesheimer. But here's we see that the, the furthest uh, David Tzvi Hoffman or Israel were willing to go, and how many other Rabbanim were not even willing to accept that. So that's uh, a sample, and you see David Tzvi also summarized a lot of the material that came before him. So we see again that things are not exactly 100% clear. It seemed like most or almost all the Rabbanim uh, saw there's a danger here, a danger to Yiddishkeit. We have to separate ourselves. But there's variations in how exactly they approach that practically. Um, just like there were different approaches before reform was an issue. You see uh, different rabbanim with slightly different uh, feelings and opinions. Um, now, Bechlau, my impression is that not every svara that was raised in the context of fighting the reform is necessarily always a zashtarka svara that applies in every single situation. So, for example, when it comes to the, the setup of a shul, Seems like you know a shtibul and from community Lev Afka is looking to be medayik and uh, the seder of a shul. Mashenkin, if you build a big beautiful shul uh, out of town, and uh, then you might be you might want to be more careful to make sure you're distinguishing yourself from whatever the local uh, reform temple is doing. So that's some that's sometimes how you approach these types of uh, svaras. So there's a here. Obviously, the from community as a whole, music and as part of life has already become very much accepted. Even though you still have, might have many Rabbanim that actually never have gotten fully on board with all the concerts and all the musical performances, the, the, all those questions about the Gemara and Git and, and all that stuff has never fully been uh, resolved. You'll still find, I guess, different opinions on that. But overall, music is part of life, so no one's really going to get up and say it's Oster during the weekday. So then, what's to stop you from bringing it into show? So if it's an actual organ, for those who might still be interested in uh, installing an organ, so that, that probably everyone would say, chukas agoyim, chukas apikarsim. Well, let's say someone brings in a guitar and a flute uh, to Hallel. Hard to say uh, one thing or another, even though surely there will be Rabbanim who would uh, not be happy with it. And what if you bring a keyboard into show? Is that already like a mamutza between uh, a guitar and an organ? And what if it's, uh, you know, let's say people have uh, performances in shul outside of davening. Sometimes they even bring a grand piano, uh, which is still not an organ, but uh, even closer. 
seemingly it's been done. People don't, it doesn't occur to, to people to say that that's a reform. Um, interestingly, every year there's a volume called Tchumen that comes out with uh, halachic article, articles and halachic topics on relevant uh, contemporary issues. From uh, the, It's the participation of people from the world of the Rabbanot in Israel and to the left of that. So it's interesting that uh, three years later, three years, three years ago in Tavshinayin Chas, an issue in Krach, Lamed Chas, there actually was a debate, like a formal debate on this question. What should be our official position on incorporating music in Chol on uh, these uh, weekly occasions, like Yishchidosh, Cholamayit, etc.? So someone went through all, a lot of these Mekayas, and he was, he was Malak, at all the Svaris you could use to say that it's not really okay, Bechlal. And that was the argument he tried to make. He tried to make an official argument that our position should be that it's not okay to bring music into Shoal uh, ever. And there's a response there from a different uh, writer who says, like, no, come on. I mean, it's, it's, he doesn't even really quote that many other sources in response. He just says, these are not uh, compelling, overwhelming arguments. Uh, you know, if people want to bring music in, are we going to stop them? So the, it seems that the status is essentially that uh, as of now, it's still, it's, a, it's still a pretty informal thing. Often it's not even in, a, in, a, in an established show. It could be like, you know, they put up a tent and uh, they, they do it in a tent. Things like that. So if it remains on an informal basis, it seems like it's not bothering anyone. But if we saw, suddenly saw normal mainstream shows bringing instruments into davening, it might uh, cause a new reaction. People might not be uh, okay with that, with normalizing it on that uh, type of level. On the other hand, regarding a choir, even though in Italy originally that was the controversy, can you even have a choir in harmony? But that seemed to have become accepted in big parts of Europe. You had Chazanim with a choir, adults, children, and a number of places can mention it positively, apparently even including the Chassam Seifer. So in those, pla- in those places, uh, choirs had uh, become the norm. But in other places, it seems that it never became uh, the norm. In more Chassidisha places, uh, I don't think you find that the big Chassidisha shows, communities, uh, had a chasm of the choir. Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe this uh, depends where. Um, it may have been more of a, you know, more modern shows were more into the Chazanim and the Chazanus, and the Chazanim themselves tended to not be religious. So it was all part of that, uh, even if it wasn't officially reformed. Um, today, it's almost, it's been forgotten, it's almost unheard of to have a chavim with a choir in Stam from shows. There are exceptions, there are some, you know, modern shows, the Yenach Vesa, Shabbos Mavarchim, they try to recreate, reproduce the old uh, chazanim and the choirs, but it's still pretty much, I would say, on the sidelines, uh, if you take the general look over what the shows are doing today. Um, I just want to... Right. I just want to mention two more things, B'nagaya the Rebbeim and uh, something B'nagaya the United States. So from the Rebbeim, I did not find a lot on this topic. I found two things in the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe Rashab in the Shimis of the Baruch Schneir, he writes that he was sitting by the meals of the Rebbe Rashab, and the Rebbe Rashab was sharing different anecdotes. The Rebbe Rashab said that he once traveled to Rome. The Rebbe Rashab definitely had different travels around Europe. He once ended up in Rome because he had some curiosity regarding the Klei HaMikdash. He uh, wanted to see if he can find out uh, anything about that. And they told him that the Rav of Rome is the one to talk to. And where's the Rav? The Rav is in the synagogue. And what kind of synagogue is it? So the Rebbe Shab calls it a karshal. Kar is a choir. That's the term, like a karshal. Plus it's a karshal. So the Rebbe Shab couldn't go in because it's Asr al-Piyadin to even be there because it's made lahavdo like their base, uh, the Tiflosam. 
the Chazan stands there beside us, Aruchais, like the Kaimrim, and uh, everyone there isn't davening Bechalal. So that's a Karshal, and you can't go into there. And in the conversation, the Rebbe turns to his granddaughters, the daughters of the Fidik Rebbe, B'nai Harayat, and he says, She'asr afilu l'shmoya stam chazen she'eni re'shamayim k'daboi. Can't listen to any chazen who's not 100%. M'kol she'kein le'lech l'karshol afilu bakrai ba'alma. You can never end up in a karshol, even uh, incidentally, even if you're maybe the base harav was a little bit into culture on different levels, but that's not the culture you can uh, participate in. And there's more on that uh, over there in the Shemus of Baruch Schneir, he elaborates even more. So it's not clear, Is he keeps on calling it a karshal, is the psal taka the car, the choir, or uh, he mentioned other things, he didn't mention that the choir per se is the problem, or was that just a shame nerdof in the Rebbe Shab's milieu, Apostle Shol, automatically that was the nickname, a karshal. Another interesting source I found is that the Rabbi Shul Munshine published in Karach about a translation from the book Lebanon Kampf von Yidden in Sarsh Rusland, 1905 to 1917. It's printed in Paris, 1968. It's the, memor- the memoirs of Yitzhak Schneerson. Yitzhak Schneerson was a Rav Mitam, uh, you know, a government rabbi in Chernigov, and not a particularly orthodox one. He was also uh, the secretary at the Ve'idas uh, Rabbanim. They had the famous gatherings of Rabbanim in the early 1900s in Russia, and this is about, uh, so Munshan translated uh, the chapters about the Asifa uh, Sarabonim in 1910, which Dara Shab participated in and starred in. Uh, this Yubitzok Schneerson is also the brother of, of, of Professor Fischl Schneerson, who you may have heard of, more likely to have heard of. They were both the ch- children of Schneer Zalman of Staradov, who was a Rav, and he was the son of Sholem Ber of Chicha, however you pronounce it, who was one of the Rebbes from Kapus, from the Kapus dynasty. He was in turn a son of Maril. So um, so he describes the Sivas Rabban 1910. He says, I want to describe a certain event. He describes different characters of Chaim Brisker and the Rav Nashab and the old there by Rikhas. I want to describe an event that happened where, um, which in- increased the excitement surrounding the Kinnus. He says it was the day of the Kinnus and they invited all the representatives to Shachris in the, in the synagogue. And under, as it was the practice under the czar, they were supposed to have a prayer for the for the czar and to express their loyalty and their fealty and to promise that the whole asif will be conducted uh, in line with the czar's wishes uh, fairly. Um, so the, the, the guests of the kinnas came to the Kabbalah upon him and they were greeted by the gaboyim of the synagogue and other characters, representatives of the Jewish community in Petersburg. The chazan and the, and the choir sang very nicely, it was beautiful, but there was one uh, participant in the Asifa who was a no-show. Who was that? And that was Rebbe Rashab, the Rebbe Harabim Lubavitch, however he writes it in Yiddish, Lubavitch Rebbe. Um, so rumors immediately spread that not only had Rebbe Rashab not showed up, but Rebbe Rashab had said that a synagogue with an organ, where they, with the organ of Chalal, v'gam menagnam boi b'yem ha-Shabbos, it's not a base Knesset, and it's not a base marriage. This can show Bechal. So, uh, you know, it doesn't exist, or whatever. He's not coming. So, the rabbis and other religious Jews uh, enjoyed the Pachampanim that the Rebbe Rashab gave to the, because apparently he was the only one who didn't show, everyone else uh, was cowed and showed up. But they enjoyed to see that the Rebbe Rashab is giving it to the, the Freya. But the representatives of the Kiel and the Gabbai were very upset, and they felt very insulted. Um, and they kept on trying to delay the ceremony, and they were conducting negotiations behind the scenes with the Rebbe Rashab to see if they can uh, somehow still get him to come. And they asked him, they said, do you think our show is not a show? Is our davening not a davening? Is the Kaddish not a Kaddish? Very emotional argument. And uh, the Rebbe Rashab 
if in fact you are davening, should be heard by the Rebbeinu Shalaylam. I wish you luck, but for me, it's not a base medrash, and I won't go there. And this caused a tremendous uh, storm. Some scream that Rebbe Lavavich is a fanatic, but the Chassidim and the Charedim were very, very happy by this, uh, by these developments. And even the Fraya, even the Paikrim, however he writes in the Yiddish, um, respected him as someone who was proud and someone who had the dignity, who can stand up for his beliefs. Um, and that strengthened the Rebbe Shab's uh, position in the rabbinic world. I don't, I'm not familiar with any sources that touch directly on the question of music, Bechlal, and Shol, Shlichus. I'm not aware. If anyone knows of anything, I'll be happy to hear about it. Um, one final thing about the history in America. There's an interesting history relating to synagogues and organs in the United States. This is based on an article by Dr. Yitzchak Levine in the Jewish Press, which is in turn based on an article uh, that was printed about uh, this in the American, the publications of the American Jewish Historical Society. In 1749, there were Jews in Charleston, South Carolina, and they opened their first shul synagogue, Kal Kodesh Beis Elokim. Um, and they, uh, very soon, once reform uh, came on the scene, you had this, uh, these tensions within the synagogue. So in 1825, there was within the synagogue, the members made the Reformed Society of Israelites, and then they dropped it in 1833, but then in 1840, they became active again, and they brought a petition to the Board of Trustees of Beis Elokim, signed by 38 members, where they said, we want to have a discussion about installing an organ. And they had an ally in the, the house and the cantor, his name was Gustavus Poznanski, sounds very Polish. Um, he had been hired in 1837, now, um, those in charge of basically came and interviewed him, and they tried to make sure that he was uh, in line with Orthodox Judaism, and they were happy at the time. But by 1840, by three years later, he had switched sides, and in fact, the show was burned down and rebuilt, and all of a sudden, he announced, that, oh, we're rebuilding the show. I'm in favor of installing an organ in the synagogue. So they had a meeting about this on uh, July 26, 1840. Ninety members attended. Uh, got very heated. Um, they uh, passed a motion to invite Poznanski to come and say his piece. Poznanski came and he said it would be great. And um, there are some authorities, you know, probably quoted uh, Ernega, Negat Sadak, you know, he had uh, some authorities to quote that it's a great idea. Um, so the chairman, Nathan Hart, was against this. He tried to um, declare a resolution in favor of the organ out of order. But that attempt failed. You know, we're familiar now with uh, the machinations in Congress and the Senate, so it might sound a bit familiar. Um, it was passed by a vote of 46 to 40. So the traditional members were uh, stunned, and they said 46 to 40 is, uh, does not meet the synagogue's constitutional requirement, because synagogues back then had constitutions with the types of rules like this. They've been printed. If you look, you can find interesting uh, constitutions, constitutions of various shows online. Um, so it did not fulfill the constitutional requirement of the show that any ritual alteration requires a three-fourths majority of members present at the meeting. Um, but whatever argument, it didn't help. And in 1841, they introduced the organ. So... Um, Nathan Hart, there were some, some were telling Nathan Hart that he should take out an injunction, he should uh, appeal to courts of law, but he didn't do that. Um, they threatened, but then Nathan Hart and someone else, they passed away very soon afterwards. So uh, they decided to just 
removed themselves from Bethel Kim, they started a new congregation called Sha'edith Israel. Um, so now the reformers are completely in charge of uh, Bethel Kim, and they start introducing other changes, Yud Gimolikrim, and Sidrei Atfila, etc., etc. Um, and they were going so far that even the more moderate reformers in Bethel Kim, who had been happy about the organ, but they were getting horrified by how things were getting out of control, like Muhammad Lahoyal says, he never stops at the, at the organ. So they tried to make a compromise, but things weren't. But then, 1843, Poznansky gave a drasha, uh, where he said we have to change even more things. And that's when things really came to a head. And now the remainder, the remainder of those in the synagogue split into two, those against for and against Poznansky. Uh, they proposed a resolution that would require them to follow all of Taira, that they should follow Taira loyally. And it failed. It was a very close vote, 27 to 24. So they said, hey, if it's this close, if even the reformer, reformed Israelites of the Shoal are split 27-24, let's bring back all the uh, members who uh, left the synagogue uh, a few years ago. We certainly have the majority. So uh, they brought them back. They said they claimed they never had fully uh, formally withdrawn from their membership. Um, so 34 members rejoined. Um, and on tonight, that uh, we have to restore the davening to the way it was before the organ, and we have to build a mikveh, and uh, no chazan can be appointed if he has uh, sympathy for reform. And this caused this attempt to uh, retake control, caused tremendous, yeah. tremendous fights. Um, and they did, they granted the membership to those 32. The reformers said, this is a hostile takeover, the vote is invalid. And it ended up in the Charleston Court of Common Pleas. So this is how an organ and a show ended up in South Carolina courts in the 1840s. Um, it went to this court, and then it went to the Court of Appeals, and they decided in the favor of the reform group and that the membership of these additional members was invalid. And that's how that legal case ended. Um, and that's the, the history. And so you ended up having, uh, you know, Shishra ended up remaining a separate, uh, more orthodox synagogue. And the reform uh, kept control of basically Kim. I want to conclude with a tshuva written in America by Ramesha Feinstein. And as I was preparing this, I noticed, I discovered that this tshuva Ramesha is written to none other than my grandfather, my mother's father. He should live and be well. Igris Meisha, Eira Chaim, Chelek Beis, Simon Lamed. There's a letter from Tafshin Chav Aleph to Milas Kvod Yedidi Hanichbad, Reina Rav, Reb Gershon, Rafal, Rachstein Shlitta. My grandfather was born and grew up in Portland, Maine. This is also relevant to the Kvoyas discussion when we get back to that. Um, uh, but he grew up in Portland, Maine, which was uh, at that time a very Chashive Kahil. Of course, there are many more. Yiddish Kahilis that were spread out throughout the United States at the time. He was born in the 40s there. He was raised there. And then when he was quite young, Meshulach um, came and said that, uh, you know, it's very nice to be from, but without a yeshiva, there's no future, there's no hope. So he and his older brother were sent to Tarev Adas in Brooklyn when they were, I don't know, 7, 8, 9, 10, very, very young. Um, and uh, big, uh, you know, beautiful mishpachas came out of that. Um, so in this, in the, so apparently I, I was Mavara this morning on the way here, and apparently this is Tafshul Chavalaf, so he was about 20 years old, so he must have returned home to Portland. And in Portland, the big uh, synagogue was Sharit Fila, 
um, and Sharia Tefillah, so it was Orthodox, but uh, American Orthodox. So, for example, there were big dancing events that sometimes took place in ballrooms and sometimes took place in the show. Maybe they put up a, a mechitza in front of the Arun Kaidish or something, but uh, they had events like that. And he wasn't sure, as a Talmud of Tere Vadas, what, uh, how do you, is this an Orthodox show or not? Not quite sure, right? Anyone who called themselves Orthodox and take down the mechitza and put in a mic. So, I mean, that was, those were the questions at that time. The line was often very thin, so he reached out to Rav Meisha, uh, the personal question, and Rav Meisha said, where they also make parties, so if it was mitchila, they had a mind to do this, so then, according to me, he's mitzayin to a different shuvah, it's not a shul bechal, because it's built into the etzim binyan that it's for taruvas, it's not a shul. But if it was l'chatchil v'kedusha b'saknesa, so then, even if they introduce the teyavis afterwards, you can't remove the kedusha, so uh, it's just us to continue making these parties. But uh, and he says, even if it is Kavol Tevis, if Azman Mu'ukhar, if it's late and you're there and you won't go somewhere else, you could daven there, even though the tefillah is not Mekubalas, but you're not Potter from tefillahs, even if it was Nikba Melechatchila. Um, I believe, I mean, it doesn't say here, I'm assuming that it was not Nikba Melechatchila when they opened it in 1900 whatever for Kudit Tarevis, so I'm assuming it wasn't uh, that bad. And he says, Vada Kleizeme Sheikh Nisu. They brought instruments into the show as well. So it was only just for the entertainment, not for davening. But it's, it's, it's pastish for the show. Because Zimra, the man Osir, he's signing the Gemara and Gittin that musical instruments are Osir outside of, uh, well, maybe for a Dvar Mitzvah, yes. But otherwise, Shalei Dvar Mitzvah, and he's been signed to his tshuva on that. The Ramesh has a tshuva on that whole general question. Uh, parties, Elo, even if they're for a fundraiser, even if they're, let's say, the Chibbutz Mois, let's talk, it's still a Dvar Iser. Um, um, and you can't be matter music at such an event. Um, and if it's a clay zemer, Shemishtamshin, Bavati Tifla, so if it's an organ, Osir Gamishom, Chukas Hagoyim, Ayim Bachsam Sefer. So that was what Rav Moshe had to say on the question of musical instruments in Bechlau and organ in particular. In the show, he also mentions about the Simchus Bas Mitzvah, that you shouldn't do it in the show, etc.